Welcome to the Apartment Investor Show, where we help you get smart and invest smarter in multifamily real estate. I'm your host, JC Castillo, founder and managing principal of the Multifamily Property Group. And joining me as always, Mr. Paul Peebles, National Underwriter for Old Capital Lending. Paulie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, JC, and uh, looking forward to a very uh, interesting podcast that's coming up. And uh, let's kick it off because I want to get right to it because there's a lot of good information that we're going to get out of it, especially for people that uh, are wanting to invest in real estate. And so let's talk about some of the reasons why to invest in real estate. So I'll, I'll let you kick it off, JC. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, Paul. I mean, look, anything that talks about saving taxes always gets me excited. And when we combine that with multifamily investing, I mean, we've got a real powerful one-two combination. Today, we're going to talk about how to use bonus depreciation to eliminate your taxes. Yes, I did say that. I said how to use bonus depreciation to eliminate your taxes. So, if that doesn't catch your attention, all you viewers out there, then I don't know what's going to. Um, today, we have a fabulous guest. I've actually been tracking uh, this particular person for um, a long time, and he is an absolute real estate CPA pro. And not only is he a CPA pro, but what I've noticed about tracking this person, and he does a great job of promoting his, uh, his uh, information online, is that this guy is able to break down pretty complex subjects into very understandable uh, uh, terms that laymen can understand in terms of taxes and how they can leverage and benefit real estate investors. So uh, without any further ado, I, I want to introduce to the show, Mr. Brandon Hall. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Jesse. Paul, appreciate, appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, viewers out there, you know, let me, let me just, let me read a couple of stats off to you with, uh, about Brandon Hall. And I think uh, th this is going to show you sort of the qualifications he has to speak about this subject. Brandon is the CPA and owner of the real estate uh, CPA company or firm. And not only that, but what I love about Brandon is he is an active real estate investor. He does multifamily investing himself. So he's not only a CPA that specializes in, is in real estate, he also does deals himself. Um, and he, he's a principal at Naked Capital, which is the company that does the multifamily investing piece. Um, over the past three years, Brandon has scaled his CPA company to over 300 clients with a staff of full-time 12 employees. And he focuses exclusively on accredited real estate investors, syndicates, and private equity firms in the real estate niche. So, Brandon, you know, thanks so much for joining the show. And maybe you can just give a little bit of a quick background on sort of what is, uh, what's your background here in the real estate side? Yeah, so I actually started off at PricewaterhouseCoopers uh, back in the day. And I've made it maybe three months before I realized I did not want to do this for the rest of my life, this being working in a corporate job. Uh, so I immediately started trying to figure out how do you get out. I found biggerpockets.com. Um, started asking questions about buying rental real estate. I bought a three unit property and I was like, oh, this is great. It cash flows beautifully well. The return is awesome, but it's only 700 bucks a month. And I started adding it all up and I was like, man, I'm gonna have to work at PwC for a decade to replace my income. And uh, that's, that, that's way too long. <laughs> so, so I started looking for something else, anything else. And I noticed that a lot of people on bigger pockets were asking a lot of tax questions, started answering those tax questions. And it kind of just snowballed from there. So 2016, we, I went full-time into the firm. And uh, that really allowed me to scale it up pretty quickly. 
uh, to where we are today with 12 employees and yeah, right around 380 to 400 clients across the United States. Well, you know, as, as most of our viewers out there are going to know, Bigger Pockets is, is one of the biggest real estate investing podcasts out there, period. And, and Brandon really, uh, in fact, that's how I learned about him, made his, his, uh, his name by just providing really solid information out there to the community. And, and that is exactly what this show is all about, is providing expert uh, information to the community. So, you know, Brandon, without any further ado, I want to kick it off. You know, our viewers really want to know, this is a catchy title, and you're on the hook now, and you have exposed yourself, and you're saying that we can use bonus depreciation to eliminate our taxes. So, very first thing I got to ask you, what the heck is bonus depreciation? Yeah, great question. So, Bonus depreciation has been around forever. Uh, basically, what it allows us to do is, is accelerate the amount that we are deducting whenever we're making some sort of capital improvement. Um, in 2018, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act changed the bonus depreciation amount. They upped it to 100%. So now, after 2018, well, after uh, September 2017, any component that's been placed into service, so it's been capitalized, but on my balance sheet, so not deducted as repair or maintenance or anything like that, but an improvement that's been capitalized, if that component has a useful life of less than 20 years, then I can immediately deduct it via 100% bonus depreciation. So whenever we, especially if we work with syndicates and funds that are buying multifamily assets, they're doing some big rehab or, or what have you, you know, there's a lot of personal property, there's a lot of land improvements and personal property is five-year property land improvements are 15 year property, all of which have less than 20 year lives. lives. So, uh, so we can use 100% bonus depreciation to immediately deduct the assets that we're, that we're putting into service via the rehab there. Yeah, it's, it's such a huge point that you're bringing up the, uh, the, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act because prior to that, you know, all of us are, are B and C class uh, value add investors, meaning that we buy these older properties and fix them up we don't buy brand new properties, nor do we, do we build brand new properties. So what was really amazing about the Tax Cuts and Jobs Acts, and you'll have to correct me here if I'm, if I'm incorrect, but prior to it, when we would buy uh, these used properties, we couldn't depreciate even with the 50% bonus depreciation prior because the personal property was used. Mm -hmm. So what was really amazing about this Tax Cuts and Jobs Acts was that it, it, it now includes both new and used equipment. Am I right there? Yes, yes. It just so that, that's a huge deal. That's right. But it, it yeah. does not include land in the transaction. It just includes the improvements to the property itself, correct? Yes. So the improvement has to have a useful life of less than 20 years. Uh, land is non-depreciable, so it has no life, thus is not included. Yes. And then you guys uh, work with a cost segregation team that figures out what is deductible on a, on a quick, medium, and a long-term basis. So uh, talk a little bit about kind of, uh, if some people don't know, what a cost segregation uh, program is all about. Yeah, so a cost segregation study is, is the act of allocating my purchase price to five, seven, 15, and 27 and a half year property. Um, now, before the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, it, the cost segs were still highly beneficial, but now that we can 100% bonus depreciate any component with a useful life of less than 20 years, cost segregation studies have become that much more valuable. So I can take a million dollar asset, do a cost segregation study, and typically allocate 20 to 
of that million dollars to five, seven, and 15 year property. And then thanks to 100% bonus depreciation, I can immediately write it off. So in the first year that I purchase an asset, if I do a cost seg study and I take 100% bonus depreciation, I'm looking at a two to $300,000 first year bonus depreciation on a million dollar asset. So it's really powerful. And we, we will typically quarterback the relationship. So we work with several cost segregation companies and we just work with the client to make sure that one, we are taking the appropriate amount of depreciation. Two, it makes sense for them and their investors. Um, and three, that the cost seg team that's putting this all together is getting it right. So let's talk a little bit more about that because if I am a 15 year uh, engineer working in Silicon Valley or in Chicago or Dallas as an example, and I want to invest in multifamily properties, can I take that bonus depreciation? Yeah, yeah, is there, so, yeah, tell me a little bit about some of the additional rules that people need to know. So that's the next piece of the puzzle, right? So we can, we can run the cost seg study, we can take bonus depreciation, and we can produce this big passive loss that we can pass to our limited partners. But then the next question is, can the limited partner actually take that passive loss? Um, the, the default rule is that you can only take passive losses against your passive income or against any sort of like gain generated from a liquidation of another syndication. So if syndicate A or, or, if, or if I have a rental property and I sell it, if I create gain from the liquidation of a rental property, I can offset that gain via passive losses from some other uh, investment that I'm a part of. So passive losses offset passive income or gain from passive activities. That's the general rule. To get around that though, there, there are multiple ways to get around that, but the big one that we often work with, with clients on specifically out in Silicon Valley is qualifying as a real estate professional. So most of the folks that are out in Silicon Valley earn way more than 150K. So we were automatically phased out of the passive activity loss limitation. So it's really not even a, a discussion. So then the question becomes, all right, Mr. Engineer, who's making three, four, 500K out in Silicon Valley, how do you invest in limited partnerships and claim those passive losses every single year? It's generally a multi-year uh, working relationship with them because what they have to do is they have to build out their own portfolio of rental real estate. Uh, they have to qualify as a real estate professional and materially participate in their own portfolio of rental real estate. And then we can aggregate in the limited partnership investments on top of that. But until you build out your own portfolio of rental real estate and qualify as a real estate professional and materially participate in your own portfolio, the limited partnership interest, you'll never be able to take those passive losses unless you generate the passive income that can be offset by them. That's right. So, so in other words, if, if, uh, if you're in, let's say six real estate investment deals as a passive investor, and you've got you know passive losses that are coming off of one or two of those of those investments, and maybe some passive income that's coming off of the other rest of them. Then you can basically take those losses, passive losses against the passive income, and offset. But you cannot, um, for uh, the purposes of 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 this passive losses, apply that to any active income that you're making. Let's say, for example, your W two at your engineering job. Correct. Yes. So qualifying as a real estate professional, what that allows you to do and if, and materially participating, if you hit both of those tests, then you, you technically change your passive losses to non-passive losses. And because now they're non-passive, now they can offset ordinary income, your W-2 income and all of that. And one caveat too, uh, this, I, I see it all the time, but just actually this week, um, 
there are tax preparers out there that will check the box in the software. It's very easy to check a box and say, this client qualifies as a real estate professional. So you just have to be really careful because there's, there's tax preparers out there that will check that box. They'll see the refund amount literally in their software go from like, you know, a $10,000 owed to $30,000 refund. And they'll say, Oh, I'm going to, that, that's what I'm going to do for my client because I need to get them a good refund. And that is just very, very, very wrong. <laughs> that's very um, bad. Yeah, yeah, that's very bad. There's a lot of steps to this that you have to go through. If you work a full-time job, you are nine times out of 10, 99 times out of 100, not going to qualify as a real estate professional. So now we're looking at getting married or quitting our job or going part-time. Uh, so there's a lot of aspects to it. But Yeah, yeah let, well, let's cover that because that's a really key point that you made, Brandon, right? So you said, look, if you, if you out there, if you viewers out there have a full-time job, that is not related to real estate activities, then 99 times out of 100, you are not going to qualify as a real estate professional. That is very important. So if somebody is going to qualify for a real estate professional, why don't you give them your sort of simple boiled down version of what the requirements are to qualify as a real estate professional? Sure. So, so to qualify as a real estate professional, you have to spend 750 hours in a real estate trader business, which is generally the, the easy one to hit. The second piece though, is you have to spend greater than half of your time in all material participation activities in a real estate trader business. Your full-time job or any W2, any W2 job is a material participation activity. You're materially participating in the work. Um, so if I work for 2000 hours in a full-time job or at my CPA firm, then I have to spend an additional 2001 hours in real estate and a real estate trader business. So 99 times out of 100, you can't do that. The other thing is, is that even if you are that one out of 100, you have to substantiate it and you have to prove it to the IRS. And that generally knocks a lot of people out too, even if they could otherwise substantiate it. Mm -hmm. We do have a couple of clients if I got, Yeah, How work. about if I get my spouse uh, who does right. no work uh, into that business? Yeah, exactly. So the alternative approach is I have a spouse that either stays at home or is working part-time and we put him or her on the real estate business and they're materially participating. They're the ones that are driving the transactions. Now you do actually have to have them be a big part of that, right? Um, it's not just i I'm gonna you know, send an email from my spouse's account and make it look like they're participating because they'll be able to sniff that out very quickly if they're ever audited. Um, but yeah, like we, we just wanna say, okay, uh, like my wife, she does all of our real estate stuff. I do guide her a lot, but she's really gotten a good hang of it and she likes it now and it really helps. <laughs> so now let's talk a little bit about sort of, um, we talked about, you know, the fact that, you know, you were able to, uh, possibly become a real estate professional or, or, or if you cannot right, what you are is you're a passive investor. Um, but now Let's say that you go through the entire process of using the bonus depreciation, and now you're going to sell your asset on the back end. So talk about a little bit about using the bonus depreciation as an alternative to what's known as a 1031 exchange and why that might be beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing to understand about bonus depreciation is that it reduces your basis in the asset, meaning that when you sell it later, you're going to have that much more gain to pay tax on. Uh, so an example I always like to use is if you buy $100,000 single family home, you take 15K of depreciation, your basis is 85,000. Most people would assume that if they sell it for 100K, that I've broken even, but the IRS says, no, you actually have a $15,000 gain that you have to pay tax on. Uh, so 
when we when we look at the larger assets or 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 really just if you're investing as an LP, uh, you can do this yourself. Uh, we when we sell the property, we always have this large gain that we want to try to mitigate as much as possible. So a lot of people default to 1031 exchanges, which are great tax strategies. Uh, but we also now look at, can we just roll the funds into a different investment that's going to use bonus depreciation and have that new bonus depreciation offset the old gain? So if I'm an, if I'm an engineer in Silicon Valley and I'm investing in these syndications, the syndication's probably not going to do a 1031 exchange, right? They're, they're, some investors want out, some investors don't want out. So what they do is they just liquidate and they call it a day, they close the entity down and we're done. Well, if you are in our that, that leaves you as a limited partner with not a whole lot of options. But what you can do is take that capital and by December 31st of that current year, roll it into a new syndication. Um, if I invest 100K into a syndication, I could generally expect 90 to $100,000 in passive losses coming off of that 100K thanks to bonus depreciation. You just want to be really clear with the syndicate though that, that they are going to run a cost seg study. Otherwise, you're locking up 100K with not a whole lot of offsetting losses coming back to you. Um, but yeah, so you can use bonus depreciation to offset gain as long as it all happens within the, the same calendar year. Yeah, that, that's actually very amazing, right? I mean, that, that's, that's huge. So you, you take a, a capital gain from, a, from one syndication, roll that into a new one, and then presto, you get mostly enough bonus depreciation to offset the gain uh, that you had from the previous investment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, amazing. Amazing. So, you know, Brandon, I mean, we've covered a lot of great stuff, but I think we've basically only scratched the very surface of, of sort of all of these different subjects that we covered. And certainly this was, I think, helpful for the viewers. But if a viewer out there really sort of wants to learn a little bit more about how you can help them potentially on the tax side, how can they get a hold of you? You can just go to therealestatecpa.com, www.therealestatecpa.com. We've got a whole lot of educational content on the website. You can also click the become a client, fill out a web form if you're interested in potentially working with us. You can also follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, I've taken like a little bit of a hiatus this year, but I'm going to get back into posting a bunch on LinkedIn. And some people think that I'm, I'm a funny accountant. So <laughs> the, the funny account. I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the funny CPA. But. Well, you've also got a whole host of YouTube videos. So, I mean, if they, if they go to your YouTube uh, site, uh, you've got some really phenomenal educational material that will help people get educated quite well. So YouTube as well, you can YouTube the real estate CPA uh, firm and you'll pop right up. Yep. YouTube podcast. People love our podcast. So check that out too. But all that is on, is on our website. If you just go there. Very good. Very good. Polly, Polly, what do you have cooking these days? What are you up to? Well, we just completed the old capital multifamily conference. Well, what a success that was. We look, uh, we, we, we thought uh, some of the, the people that spoke there did a great job and we'll put some information out on that uh, coming shortly. If somebody wanted to get more information about what you do, JC, what's the best way to get a hold of you? And, and again, what do you do? What do I do? That is a good question. Well, well, first of all, Polly and I have a good time hosting this apartment investor show. But what I do do also is for the last 13 years, I've been helping investors make smart multifamily investment decisions. And so one of the things uh, that we like to talk about is that we are a full cycle real estate investment firm, meaning that we have been through a recession and we were buying and investing in multifamily before the Great Recession. And we've been doing it successfully throughout the Great Recession and into what's been a really great run these last several years. So we are a wealth of information. And the best thing about us is that we're always happy to share 
our knowledge for free through a 15-minute uh, consultation with our company. Literally, we'll jump on a, on a video call with you and you're probably going to end up talking with me directly. If you'd like to set up any sort of a complimentary 15-minute session, just go to our website at multifamilypropertygroup.com. Again, multifamilypropertygroup.com. Go to the contact us section and request a free 50-minute consultation and we would be happy to see how we could help you out. That sounds so, great. Yep. Brandon Hall, we certainly appreciate you coming in and sharing some great information. Uh, we'll put uh, your contact information at the bottom of the screen here. So uh, great information today. So uh, let's try to go out there and save some money. I love it. <laughs> That's right. Thanks, That's guys. how we sign out. That's it, Brandon. Thanks. JC, always a pleasure. I'm Paul Peebles. Have a great day. Take care.